0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of That Naturopathic Podcast. I am Dr. Michelle Pobega, flying solo today for uh, a short but sweet little talk about um, having a new fresh perspective and a new perspective when it comes to cholesterol. I have found myself in practice um, having to talk people off the ledge when it comes to their cholesterol. I feel like this there's this really inundated perspective about demonizing cholesterol being hyper reactive to it not really looking at the balance and the checks and balances but just looking at the total cholesterol and being like oh my god rather than looking at the hdl the triglycerides the ratios and in all fairness i don't think that i think cholesterol has been given an unfair unfair bad rep in all in all honesty Um, so I have found myself trying to re-educate people about cholesterol and I'm not going to go through all the details today. This is just a few key things that I felt like I wanted to share based on what I've noticed in a lot of the conversations people are having with their medical doctors or what a random Google search will tell you versus what newer studies, uh, and newer, philosophies around cholesterol are backed with science and a greater understanding of all the moving parts that are are kind of involved because I think there's this tendency to get extremely myopic about health related problems and then we hyper focus on the cholesterol and then we want to put a band-aid solution like a statin medication or even a naturopathic solution and I think this is where I started coming uh getting frustrated being like I feel like I'm just a greenwashed allopath where I'm just giving pills to lower someone's cholesterol and we're not really addressing why the cholesterol is high in the first place. I feel like there's a huge opportunity to begin really doing true naturopathic medicine, getting to the root cause of things, really identifying what's out of sorts rather than band-aid solutions. I am really freaking tired of a pill for an ill. And cholesterol is one of those things that I think as naturopaths, we still get trapped into kind of a pill for an ill. Um, And I think that we need to start as NDs and as the general population, opening our minds a little bit more as to why cholesterol is elevated in the first place. And it is not the demon that we have all made it to be. So first, I mean, cholesterol it's got a bad rep, but in all fairness and honesty, it is extremely important to the human body. I think the I think the total is either 75 or 80 percent. 75 of the cholesterol um within us is produced in-house. We make it ourselves. Only 25 percent of our circulating cholesterol is really going to be, influenced by our diet and there was even there was even some oh my goodness I lost I might have lost the the article but there was something that was even saying that only 25 percent of the population is actually um uh, their internal cholesterol markers are uh, only 25% of the population will actually have a slight increase in cholesterol in response to dietary intake. And in the medical literature, these particular people are, are, are referred to as hyper-responders. So first of all, 75% of cholesterol is already made within our body. Um, and only 25% is is, you know, um, contributed to by our dietary uh, inge- by our di- dietary intake. And then out of the population, it says that only 25% actually experiences a slight increase in their blood cholesterol from dietary cholesterol intake. Um, So in these people, dietary cholesterol can moderately increase both LDL and HDL, but it doesn't necessarily affect some of the ratios that would be a greater indication of an increase in heart disease, et cetera. Um, So just as like, a breakdown. When we look at cholesterol from a blood panel perspective, we're often running your triglycerides, we're running your LDL, we're running your total cholesterol, we're running your HDL, um, and it is important to start looking at the ratios of things. I remember taking a lab course um, several years back. I think it was docs. I think it was docs or Dr. Dixon Tom. <laughs> Don't quote me on that. But anyways, we have bad cholesterol, and I use quotations on the word bad, but LDL has been given the moniker of "quote unquote" bad cholesterol. HDL is given the moniker of good cholesterol. Now, if there are con- true concerns about cholesterol, then standard lab values um, apparently are not enough. And you really want to go in and get more specific lab values about the LDL, um, uh, about the varying lipoproteins um, that we have because it's actually the ratios of the LDLs and the more and the min- minutiae of the breakdowns that actually could have a, a greater impact on cardiovascular health or or, or your health in general. So we have to go back to the fact really quickly before I keep continuing and I may be jumping back and forth and I'm, and I'm sorry, everyone. I, I'm gonna try to keep it. I am try to keep my shit together, but, um, I want to go back to something really important. Your cholesterol plays a really important role in forming and maintaining cell membranes and cellular structure. Your cell membrane is a vital component that impacts How healthy your cells are, and then how healthy your cells can function. If your cells cannot function optimally, then there is going to be a breakdown on a tissue level, on an enzyme level, on an organ level, on a, you know, on a, on a bigger scale. So cholesterol is actually really important to help uh, the cell membrane um, become more fluid. Um, and it allows cells to adjust to temperature changes a little bit more readily as well. It is essential for also making all of our critical hormones, all of our critical hormones. We seem to forget this. It is the backbone for our sex hormones, testosterone, progesterone, and estrogen, but it is also really important for the production of our stress hormone cortisol. And I want to really be poignant about that. It's a really important uh, backbone. Um, It's a really important uh, building block for our stress hormone cortisol. Our liver is where we produce cholesterol, ding, ding, ding. And it is also, um, cholesterol is used to create bile a fluid that plays a really important role in processing and digesting fats, but it's also the medium in which we get rid of the garbage and the toxins and the waste product that your liver has processed so that we can eliminate it from the, from the body effectively. Cholesterol is also used by nerve cells for insulation and cholesterol is also what makes vitamin D. And then when vitamin D, uh, is affected by sunlight, it's, sorry, when cholesterol is affected by sunlight on a skin level, then it's converted to vitamin D. So there is a highly important need for cholesterol in our body, which is why when I, someone has a statin and we just shut things down, I don't think that necessarily garners better health for a myriad of reasons. What we really should be asking is are there certain demands on the body that are making it produce more cholesterol in the first place, considering we make 80, 75 to 80% within our own body? Those are the bigger questions we should be asking. That is the bigger picture. And the reason I wanted to say this was when I did this um, lab test with Dr. Dixon Tom, he even asked the question in the lab, uh, in the lab course. And I said, Why would your total cholesterol be high? And he writes down, is there an increased demand for stress hormones? Are your cell membranes requiring uh, any kind of repair? Are your cell membranes integrity being compromised in some way? Is there any kind of vascular uh, repair that needs to be done? I.e., do your blood vessels have damage and they need to be fixed? So what I think a lot of people seem to forget is that cholesterol is not the demon, It is actually your body's ability to create a band-aid over what irritated and created any kind of destruction of the vascular tissue in the first place. So if there is a high amount of oxidative damage, if there is inflammation, if there is glycosylation or glucose causing damage in your vessels and your blood vessels, then your cholesterol is used as a band-aid to help remedy that damage. And then a plaque could be formed because of oxidation of that over that damage. So it's not, it's not, it's not a cholesterol problem. Your, your body was just trying to keep you alive and fix other damage by increasing cholesterol. So vascular repair, submembrane membrane integrity, increased need for stress hormones, that can increase your total cholesterol. <laughs> If someone um we also want to look at uh blood glucose levels and its influence on on um cholesterol production, because again, it blood glucose elevated when you have LDL that is elevated with high blood glucose, it's because the LDL is needed to repair the damage done to blood vessels caused by high blood glucose levels. And I think that seems to be glossed over a lot. So when it comes to managing cholesterol, we also have to manage people's blood glucose levels. We have to manage oxidative pressures on the system. We have to manage um, sources of inflammation on the body. We have to manage um, whether or not cellular health is being taken care of. We have to manage excessive amounts of stress. And that doesn't always mean you have a high stress job, financial problems, an angry boss, and you're stuck in traffic all the time. Stress can also be internal stress, like your liver cannot detoxify, you're chronically constipated, so you're not getting rid of toxins, you have dysbiosis, Um, you you have stealth viral and pathogens, you have heavy metals burning the system. Those are also internalized stressors, and we seem to forget that. Total cholesterol to HDL ratio is actually more important than just total cholesterol alone, and optimally, we would want that ratio to be less than three. So this is where you might want to start looking also at liver enzymes, um, as well to see if there is, uh, any kind of damage to the liver as well. Uh, because if your cholesterol is made in the liver, we want to make sure your liver is functioning optimally to create the right ratios, that it's in its healthiest state, um, all that kind of stuff. And a low cholesterol can actually be uh, a marker for decreased liver function. So just something to think about when you're when the total cholesterol is just on the, a little bit on the lower end. We also want to look at triglycerides, and we want those to be,, in um, Canadian values, I usually say beto- like less than like 1.13 would be ideal. So if your triglyceride levels are high, and I'm seeing blood glucose levels a little elevate, a little bit elevated and triglyceride levels high. I'm starting to wonder about whether or not your liver is fatty. So just off off the bat, and I would want to investigate that further. Um, <clears throat> so that's something we want to look into. When Your LDL to HDL ratio is also over three. So it's not just total cholesterol to LD HDL. You want the LDL to HDL ratio under three is probably fine. If it's over three, then you start to think stress because according to this lab course that I do with Dr. Dixon, Tom, um, stress will raise your LDL specifically as well. So we want to be less myopic when it comes to cholesterol. And how we approach it, we want to remember that there are more than one moving part and that cholesterol is not bad, but actually quite vital. I don't remember where it was, but there was some podcast someone man I feel like it was a couple years back, but they even suggested that as we age our cholesterol levels may actually need to increase because our body's ability to produce our sex hormones and our stress hormones is going to be less effective so our body's going to naturally try to increase cholesterol to shunt and support those processes more effectively which could then be more protective for us as we age so that is something interesting that always kind of stood out in my mind when i when i read that another thing that i find is quite outdated, is this whole diet heart hypothesis, um, where eating saturated fats, um, and cholesterol should be strictly avoided, um, because it affects your internal cholesterol levels. And, um, as I was saying before, 25% 25% of our cholesterol is coming from our food. Most of it's made uh, within our cells and in our liver level. And only 25% of the general population, according to uh, studies, are going to be more affected by dietary intake. But there seems to there seems to have been this really interesting philosophy on um, saturated fats and cholesterol fats and it started somewhere in the 1940s and 50s um, and there was a suggestion that dietary saturated fats and cholesterol could raise cholesterol levels in the blood but then research quickly disproved this theory but it already started to catch fire um, and everyone kind of hopped on that anti-cholesterol anti-saturated fat train Um, and it has been debunked Within studies in, in scientific literature. But for some reason, we are still like wildly clinging to this philosophy. And animal proteins, animal fats, eggs continue to still get a bad rep when it comes to cholesterol. And what's even more wild is that there seemed to have been a bit of a switch for people and a promotion of eating vegetable oils as a way to help reduce atherosclerosis and heart disease. So I remember growing up in the eighties where everybody wanted to eat margarine and everybody wanted to avoid saturated fats and everything was low fat, but I don't know if anyone's been paying attention like I have, but the world continued to get more unhealthy. Cardiovascular issues continue to rise. Cholesterol levels continue to be a problem. Uh, metabolic syndromes continue to increase. Insulin epidemics and type 2 diabetes continue to increase. Obesity continue to increase. So at some point, we all have to kind of stop and be like, maybe we were wrong. <laughs> and, and start to unearth those studies that really are now beginning to disprove that. My concern with the whole uh, vegetable fats, soybean oils, um, what is it? Soybean oil, vegetable oil, rapeseed oil, aka canola oil, um, margarine. You know, I always say you might as well just melt the plastic onto the food you're eating because your margarine is actually no better for you than that. I believe that there aren't really any studies to show that it actually reduces cardiovascular risk by eating those, by the way. And um, there was an increase in consumption of carbohydrate, like different types of carbohydrates, as well as those inflammatory oils or those vegetable oils during that period of time where we were all trying to eat low fat. And it was, I believe, a really big part of why there is an epidemic of obesity, lipid abnormalities, type 2 diabetes, metabolic syndrome, et cetera, in the current state of the world. When it comes to those seed oils and peanut oil and soybean oil and canola oil and all those kinds of things, they are also there's a lot of industrial practices and in and uh, that have to take place in order to. Create uh the, the 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 golden liquids that should sit on your shelves. Um, there's a lot of chemical extractions, there's a lot of chemicals used, there's toxic residues on it. Apparently, it becomes rancid and more inflammatory. And these tend to be higher in omega-6s, which are pro-inflammatory. In the end, I don't think any of us should really be consuming them, if at all, but definitely not in the amounts that a lot of people are a lot of restaurants are going to be using these cheap oils. There's a lot of stuff coming to the surface now that a lot of olive oils or avocado oils that are labeled as such are actually sunflower oil or cheaper oils um, that are being used to cut the avocado or olive oil so they can stretch it out a little bit more. And it's not pure hundred percent olive oil. Like it's wild what's going on in the food industry. Um, But just going back to the whole idea of cholesterol is that, These were not shown to actually create uh, much of an impact on reducing cardiovascular heart disease or cardiovascular risks um, to ingest these vegetable oils. And on top of that, they are um, toxic, they are inflammatory, and there's a lot of polychemical residues because of the processing of these particular oils where um, if you just get organic butter that comes from the cow, there's not much that has to be done to create butter. Uh, there, there's no chemicals, there's no uh weird extraction process that has to happen. I love butter. I'm a I'm a toot toot and root root for butter all days. Uh so there is a bigger picture again when it comes to looking at at cholesterol. And when it comes to blood testing, we don't want to just look at cholesterol in isolation, we should also be looking at Uh, Yes, your HbA1c, yes, your fasting glucose, but fasting insulin. And I don't understand why there seems to be a resistance within the medical community, at least from my perspective, I ask, I tell my clients to go get your fasting insulin run, and doctors will flat out refuse to run it but I find that that's a very telling thing to do. Um, we wanna look at your inflammatory markers because if your body's wildly inflamed, that cholesterol is going, is going to become more problematic, but it's the inflammation that's gonna create more of a problem when it comes to the cholesterol or the inflammation might be a driving force for increasing your the body's needs for cholesterol. So we wanna look at other factors. Thyroid plays a really important role on liver function and cholesterol health as well. Um, your gut microbiome is going to have an influence on that. Your liver health is going to have an influence on that. The flow of bile, if you have, if you have a whole bunch of gallstones and your body can't detox effectively, you know, that's going to have an influence on cholesterol. So I just wanted to kind of like really bring it into a much bigger picture. And we have to continue to ask why is cholesterol elevated in the first place? So one, is there metabolic dysfunction? Is there poor, is the, are you, my God, tripping over my words every time I do a solo episode. Um, is there an inability to properly break down your carbohydrates, your proteins, your fats, etc., and then use them effectively as fuel, uh, as fuel. And typically metabolic syndrome, I'm finding that there's a high amount of inflammation, oxidative damage, and then blood sugar, Uh, specifically an imbalance in the body's ability to manage blood sugar effectively. You want to look for chronic infections. Is there H. pylori? Do we have any kind of latent viral infections happening? Um, I would also add to that, do you have parasites? Do you have fungal and mold and yeast issues? You want to also look at other dysbiotic, um, uh, gut dysbiosis, and also like gut permeability. That's another one. Are your good bacteria um taking up the most space in your microbiome or do we have an imbalance do we have SIBO do we have a lot of pathogenic bacteria do we have too much overgrowth of opportunistic microbes you also want to like I said before you want to look at thyroid function um and it doesn't always have to be frank hypothyroidism it could also be like a subclinical hypothyroidism um So so that is another, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. So we definitely want to take a look at thyroid's influence on cholesterol and liver function. The other one is environmental toxins. Do we have heavy metals? Do we have other chemical residues that are Um, affecting your system. And another one is there's a genetic component. There are some people who have a genetic component that will affect cholesterol, but that is not the majority of the population. So we all stop having, we need to all stop being like, well, my mom and my dad had it. So, you know, I'll probably have high cholesterol. Maybe it's because you guys all have the same lifestyle factors, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe it's because you all grew up eating the same kind of garbage food. Maybe it's because you grew up in a house full of stress. Maybe, you know what I mean? Like there could be lifestyle and epigenetic factors that you were all exposed to that is a driving force behind this rather than just genetics. We have to stop blaming genetics for what epigenetics really is at fault for. And when I'm looking at this list of possible underlying concerns that could lead to elevated levels of cholesterol, a lot of what this tells me goes back to um, different types of stress. So again, it's not just the angry boss. It's not just being stuck in traffic. It's not just a high pressure job. It's these internal things that are happening inside that are causing an imbalance in your body that is leading to a stress response, which then require, uh, then if it's long-term and chronic, then your cortisol needs to be continuously pumped out and cholesterol is a backbone for cortisol. So um, I hope that wasn't super convoluted the way I went through that. I apologize. I uh, Maybe I should have, created more of a strategy, but I hope you guys are all able to follow me on that. I always think when I see someone who has high cholesterol, you know me with my gut health i'm like well let's let's assess your dysbiosis first let's make your st- make sure your stomach acid is effective cuz stomach acid and bile and and pancreatic juices are all going to affect each other with regards to the acid base balance that has to happen there we want to make sure your bile is flowing so you get rid of cholesterol we want to make sure you have the nutrients that help you produce ample uh bio, like your cholines, your B vitamins, your methylating factors, like your, your minerals, your water intake, um, things like that. We want to make sure your blood sugar regulation is healthy and, and, and your body is able to regulate effectively with every meal that you consume. Um, I want to make sure you don't have fatty liver issues. I want to make sure that your liver is processing things effectively, which makes me go back down to the pooper and you need to be able to poop regularly so you can get rid of all the garbage that your liver is trying to actually purge from your system. It makes me think about mental, emotional stresses. Um, are there unresolved traumas? Do we have to assess for heavy metals? Do we have to assess for mold? Let's start unpacking things on a bigger picture when it comes to cholesterol, I No more of this myopic perspective about this. The research no longer supports the philosophies that we've all just kind of like fallen back on for years. They have been challenged. And disproven. So it's time for us to start taking a different approach when it comes to cholesterol. And I find that it's with the elderly, more the, the more senior population, I'm having to re-educate them continuously about it. And I still have people who 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 just want to be on the statin, and it is what it is. Um, I can't change somebody's mind. If my client wants to take that approach, then I respect that. But Um, Again, a statin should never be taken without CoQ10 because statins have been shown to affect your HMG, uh, HMG CoA reductase enzymes activity to produce CoQ10. And although the statin will help reduce cholesterol, your CoQ10 is a vital component for every single cell in your body to produce energy. And your heart, particularly, and your muscles, in particular, require a lot of CoQ10 because those. Muscle groups and especially your heart are pumping continuously, so I always have to chuckle a little bit when people say we're going to give you cholesterol statin medication preventatively, even though your cholesterol levels are borderline to actually okay. I'm always kind of like, is that really necessary? Because if you reduce the COQ10 production, then don't you kind of put um, a little bit of a hindrance on heart function in the first place? Like that's just where my head goes. So if you are on a statin and you want to continue to choose to be on a statin, you need to support it with supplementing CoQ10. You could talk to your naturopath about good um, good options for CoQ10 and what dose is going to work for you. And um, don't just villainize eggs. Don't just villainize animal protein. Uh, when it comes to cardiovascular health, health I feel like we are still holding on to these old school philosophies about saturated fats, about eggs, about salt, about cholesterol, and they're outdated. They're outdated and the research is pointing us in different directions and it's time that we all start listening. Um. Anyways, that's my chat. I hope you all liked it. And uh, I hope that makes you guys think a little bit differently about how to address Uh, hypercholesterolemia, hyperlipidemia, supporting cardiovascular health, um, and just overall vitality, guys. We can't suppress cholesterol production. Cholesterol actually has a very important role in our body. Um, We can't be myopic about these things anymore. No more pills for an ill. Treat treat, Treat the real problem. Treat the whole person. Naturopathic philosophy 101. Okay. Hope you enjoyed it. Bye.